0: I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Good morning, everybody. I'm Lisa Stone with Parenting Aces, and I am joined today by Rob Polishuk of. Um, inside the zone, and we are going to be discussing the mental game of tennis parenting this morning, which anybody who has a kid playing junior tennis, you know from the parent side, the mental piece of it is so important, and it's something that we talk about a lot on Parenting Aces. So Rob, welcome, and thanks for being with
1: us. Lisa, it's a pleasure to be here and talk about this topic. It's uh, near and dear to my heart.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Um, So can you give us a little bit of your credentials so our audience knows why they should listen to what you have to say today?
1: Absolutely. So I'm a mental training coach, and I started a company called Inside the Zone Sports Performance Group. And my whole point in starting it was that I'm passionate about helping kids. Um, I love working with kids. I love the game of tennis, and I love anything to help kids make themselves better. And I remember myself as a kid, I had all kinds of issues on the court. I got nervous, um, I lost my focus, and I always said, I wish I had someone to talk to. So I actually went back to school um, at Seton Hall University and got my master's in uh, psychology with a concentration in sport and exercise psychology, got a life coaching degree, um, worked on many different certifications in terms in, including something called mindfulness, which we all know, which is a yeah. meditation technique, somatic experiencing, which is all about how the body acquires, holds, and then releases nerves, which is so, so important, um, and, other, and then various other modalities,
0: yeah, great. So when you and I first spoke on the phone, I was in the middle of a yoga class that I was doing virtually, and uh, you're like, "No, no, go finish your yoga, then come back and talk to me." But, and I want you to know, I did go back and finish my class. So,
1: <laughs> and, and yoga is yoga is such a great thing for athletes because it actually allows the nervous system to just settle and just be calm. And if you think about it, in tennis. There's so many different times where we have downtime in between points. There's 25 seconds. Think about someone hitting your returning serve and your uh, a second serve. And it's a big kick serve. You have that one to two seconds where you just have to be calm. You just have to be patient and then load and release. And if you force it, which we've all done, we know what the result is. And that's yeah. a shot off the racket.
0: Yeah, yeah. But from the parenting side, um, I love that, you know, we're going to kind of focus our conversation today around the parents and what we as parents can do to calm ourselves, to take advantage of that downtime between points, between games, between sets, between matches, um, that time from when our child gets off the court to when it's appropriate to have a conversation about what happened on the match court, if it's appropriate to have a conversation about what happened on the match court. And what we can do to take home ourselves when we're either watching our child have a lesson or play a practice match or be in a competitive situation because the, you know, the, the instinct is to jump right in and offer our expert advice to our kids and, you know, tell them all the things that we saw that they sh- could have done better. Maybe they did this well, but why didn't you do that? We all do it. We're all guilty.
1: So what you're saying reminds me of an article that I wrote and it's called, Oh my God, I'm nervous.
0: Constant state of being.
1: (laughs) Who's playing this match anyway? And the important thing to remember is that your child is the one playing the match. And really as parents, what we need to do is set the conditions for them to be able to be calm, for them to be able to be patient, for them to be able to encounter adversity And be able to deal with it and continue on. So they don't go into a place of, um, they don't go into a place of overwhelm. And it it reminds me of a story. Um, I was working with a kid um, who was playing in a big tournament, big sectional tournament up in Tampa. Um, And the mother called me up and this was right before the match. And the mother said, Oh my God, I can't believe it. I was driving to the match And my son didn't say a word. I wanted to talk to him about the match. I wanted to hear what his thoughts were. And he was just listening to music. And I had known that this kid was a bit of an introvert. And so I said to the mom, really simply what he's... And the mom was worried that he wasn't going to be competitive. The mom was worried that he didn't care because he wasn't talking about it. But what I counseled the mom about was just let him be him. We all don't have to be a Nick Kyrgios, a Gael Monfils, a John McEnroe. Everyone's different. And this was his way of processing through the match by just being calm, by just being relaxed. And sure enough, he won the match. He won the tournament and um, went on to have uh, quite a successful uh, tennis career. That's awesome.
0: Um, so I, I'm getting a comment that the echo is coming through the one you and I discussed ahead of going live, Rob. So I don't know. I I think it's on your side. So
1: yeah, the echo is through. Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna step away for a moment and see if I can find a pair of headphones.
0: Okay. Okay. That'd be great. Okay, so viewers, sorry about that. We tried to fix it before going live. It's an issue with sound echoing out of Rob's uh, device and, and back through the speaker. So um, I apologize for that. Hopefully we'll be able to fix it. It sounds like Rob's having to go upstairs. And I apologize for the background noise too. I am at my house in Atlanta and we've got work going on around here before we head back to California tomorrow. So it's a little chaotic today. All right. Hopefully Rob will be back with us in a sec. Okay. Here he
1: comes. So this Uh is.
0: Let's see how that is. Ah, it's already significantly Mm -hmm. better. Yep. Okay. There we go.
1: Perfect. So this is also a wonderful example of adapting and adjusting. There you go. This would be an example of losing the first set. (laughs) <laughs> and then, okay, taking a break. Obviously, when this happened, it was like, oh, my gosh. And then just go slowly. So anyway, it's okay, we're back. Okay.
0: Um, so I wanted to to make a comment in response to what you were saying earlier about, you know, that we need to stay calm. And, you know, we as parents need to set the tone. And I think intellectually, most of us know we're supposed to do that. But in the moment, it's very difficult to let the intellect rule the emotion, right? Um, Head over heart. And and when it's our child out there, our heart takes over, our emotion takes over, and sometimes our intellect just goes out the window. And then it's after the fact, after we've had a, a chance to reflect on how we behaved, what we said, our tone of voice that we go, Oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I know better than that. And then there's that conversation with our child. of, I'm so sorry. I know I shouldn't, you know, these are the boundaries. Let's have a conversation around this. You know, mom and dad aren't perfect. We're doing our best. It's just because we love you and yada, yada, yada. I, I had those conversations multiple times when my son was competing.
1: Yes. So, And, and that happens. Um, and when I work with kids, just for all of you parents out there, one of the things I do say to them, sometimes your parents may not say things at the right time or the best way, but what they're really saying is, I love you. And that's important to understand. Now, back to the parent piece of things. Yes. Yeah there's six words I ask my parents to say to themselves before they say something to their child. And that is what does my child need from me? And usually by answering that question, it has nothing to do with a technical. It has nothing to do with what they needed to do in a match, especially if the child loses and they're walking off the court what does the child need from me? This kid is devastated. This girl is devastated. And what really they need from the parents is simply a hug, it's okay, and tomorrow's gonna be another day. And that way the parent is giving the child the gift of failure. And we've all been in situations and I currently still play tennis four times a week and I'm very competitive, where I walk off the court and I lose and or I didn't or I didn't play well. I didn't hit out of my backhand. I sliced it too much because I got a little defensive. I got pushed back. And an hour later, I realize, wow, you know what? I can step into that ball. I can play with this person. I can dictate. But if I had a parent, which I don't now, as a child coming at me, you should have done this, you should have done that. It wouldn't give me the chance and it wouldn't empower me to be able to figure things out on my own. And the empowerment part is really, really a big piece.
0: Well, and one of the things you said just a moment ago about tomorrow's another day, but when our child is in a tournament situation they it may not be tomorrow's another day it may be in an hour is another day because you have another match right and so it becomes really I, I, from the parent side we feel this urgency to say everything that we saw so that our kid can make those changes real quick before they go out onto the match court for match number two of the day or number three of the day. Right. right? And so I think that's one of the challenges. It certainly was a a huge challenge for me, even though, again, intellectually, I knew that wasn't the right move, but you know, you're just so wound up over it. And this is where I feel like that whole idea of mindfulness training comes in there's, there's a program I know of out of the UK called dot B and the dot is representative of a pause, a period where you take a break, a pause, and the B is breath, right? Oh, so it's a pause and breathe. And oh, it's a mindfulness program that's been used in schools in the UK a lot. Um, and I, I, a friend of mine here in Atlanta has used it, trained with them and used it Uh, here in the Atlanta area as well, but it's that notion of the pause that becomes so crucial and yet so incredibly difficult.
1: Right. And that pause, and just just think about it because you've been in this situation, and just like when you explained it to me, but there's a match in another hour, if I was to ask you to notice what you felt in your body, I'm sure there was a tenseness. That is is a match in another hour. I actually felt it from you. <laughs> and what's most important, again, is if you're feeling it, your child's feeling it. Sure. You're feeling your energy. And you could give them five great things, but they're not going to be able to take it in because they're too nervous. They're too activated. So the first thing to really do is instead of the technical, the strategic, the technical is, Hey, you know what, Johnny, Mary, let's go out and just take a walk and just walk. And I've done this. I've done this when I was a high school tennis coach with a girl who was a Big, big favorite to win uh, the county tournament. And she lost the first set. And it it was unheard of. And all we did, all I did, was I just went out and I said, let's go take a walk. And she walked. I won't lie. She cried. I let her cry. I allowed her, gave her the space to release. And then I simply said to her, just play your game, just be you. And so it's almost um, uh, Kiki Barber and Tiki Barber, his mom used to say one thing before a game. And I used to put this on on my hat and then I switched it to something else. But the phrase was play proud. Mm. And I, I used to ask my clients, what would it mean for you to play proud? And it evokes, play calm, bounce back, respect myself, respect my opponent, do the best that I can do. So just in two words, but two words, you get an entire dictionary out. But most importantly, you're settling the nervous system. And you almost need to look at your child. You know, we look at a bell curve or we look at, we think about a wave. It's almost like you need to look, look to your child and say, well, where are they on that wave? Mm-hmm. And What do they need from me? If they're completely activated, if they're freaked out, what they need from you is the opposite is silence is calming. And then when they're calm, if they're calm and you have the moment. Hey, Mary, I noticed a couple things in the first match. Do you want to talk about it? I noticed something in the first match. Can I share it with you? Mm -hmm. And if they say no, then you know what? The answer is no. And what you've done is you've respected them and you've empowered them.
0: But that's another hard part,
1: right? Lisa, if this stuff was easy. Everyone would be doing it. I wouldn't have a job. That's and, right. And and I you know I I wouldn't I wouldn't work with parents. Um, I have another client where I work uh, with with the child, and then the parent will call me, and we have a joke. And the joke is that I give her stone therapy, and it's like the stone is knock knock knock. Because again, it comes back to what does my child need from me
0: mm-hmm. and
1: how can I help them, how can I empower them to refocus on what's important. And what's right. important is what they can control. Yes. Because if they can't control
0: the controllables. We it, hear that all the time.
1: Really and you know, with, with COVID, you know, kids are kids oh. are coming back. They're playing. I'm playing with two sets of balls. Um, I pick up my Wilson ones. My opponent picks up their Wilson threes when I'm serving the Wilson threes go in the corner when they're serving the Wilson ones go in the corner. And what's even and I assume tournaments or tournaments are going to be doing it this way or some. I, Some I noticed it on the um, on the USTA site.
0: And in fact, there's there's an event happening in Atlanta this weekend, a pro event Mm -hmm. uh, with fans in the stands. So um, we're not going to talk about that because I'm I I can't. (laughs) It stresses me out just to to mention it.
1: But what's beautiful about the ball situation, you actually become more mindful. Instead of picking up the ball and hitting over your opponent, instead of picking up the ball and smashing it against the fence in the worst case scenario, you actually have to pick up the ball. Is it a Wilson one? Is it a Wilson three? Yeah. What do I do with it? Um, but That's true. Yeah. So, you know, you, you take a breath. Uh, breathing is another thing that calms the nervous system. Mm-hmm. For the parents, I would suggest taking some breaths. Um, I mean, just for a moment, imagine this: you're the player, and I'm the parent, and okay. all, everyone everyone who's watching is is the player, and I'm the parent, and I'm behind the screen, so there's no noise.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I resemble that remark. <laughs> Right. And so my question
1: is, what did you notice in your body as I did those things? Or did you become looser? Did you yeah. become tighter? Yeah, you tense up. You tense up. So that's what you're doing to your child. Right. And it's not easy. But it's really, really important. And you as the parent, you're the most important person on the team.
0: And it doesn't get easier. I mean, that's part of the issue, too, is you know, I kept thinking as my son was coming up through juniors, well, once he gets to this level, I'm not going to worry about it so much because it doesn't matter. Do you want to know when I got to that place? Actually in my life was his sophomore year of college. Once he made the decision that was going to be the last year that he played tennis. And so nothing he did was going to impact anything. It was just him out there playing for the love of playing. And I finally realized that that was all that mattered. And I could just have joy or find joy in watching him on the court because I knew for me, this was going to be my last chance to, to do it right, whatever right means. But I knew what it meant for my relationship with him. So, and as
1: you're sharing that, it's almost like I just melted. And he,
0: but how sad that it took till he was 20 years old for me to get well, there.
1: Yes, but you got there, and in the meantime, he knew what you he knew that what you were doing you thought was best, and you came you came to a place. He let go. You let go. In a way, he kind of—he kind of was the teacher. Now, I have something that I want to read.
0: Okay, and let me. Before you do that, I want to just say for people watching, if y'all have questions, you can just type them in the comments, and I'm seeing them as they come up. So, if you have any question or comment that you want Rob or me to address, um, just type it in the comments. Sorry, Rob. Go ahead.
1: Please. So, I have something that I want to read. This was sent by a tennis parent, an anonymous tennis parent. And I didn't know when I was going to read it during the interview, and I didn't know whether I was going to, but this is just the perfect time. So let okay. me set the scenario. This is a girl uh, who played in the 16s, was highly ranked, and the mother was very involved in her tennis. And she sent me this email. And I made an important decision today, and it felt great. Where do I begin? I'm a tennis mom. There, I said it, it's out in the open, a true confession. Lots of you know what it means to be a tennis parent, but few will want to admit that you are one. For the last seven plus years, I've been through it all. Wins, losses, zonals, long car rides to tournaments, sectionals, nationals, you name it. Longer car rides home from tournaments after a loss, broken rackets, crying, banging rackets, over 60 pairs of tennis shoes, miles of strings, hundreds of dampeners, crying to coaches, chasing points, college recruiting, secret clinics. I could go on and on. But back to the decision I made today. I don't wanna be a tennis parent anymore. I don't like it. I don't like how it makes me feel and I don't like what it does to the relationship I have with my daughter. She doesn't need me to be a tennis parent anymore. She can fly by herself and make decisions by herself. I have chosen to empower her, to give her more, to let her be in charge of her tennis. To play or not to play? To train or not to train? These are the questions that she has to answer, not me. I've given her the tools. Great coach, mental training coach, fitness coach, perfect racket. Courts whenever she wants. Now it's up to her to decide what she wants to do with all this stuff. I'm not quitting my job. I'm simply taking on a different role. I will always support her, love her unconditionally, and guide her towards healthy decisions that make sense for her. But I can't be invested in her tennis career the way I once was. It's just not that important. She has to want it. It doesn't matter what I want. I feel happy, untethered, and unburdened. You should try it. Her performance is not a reflection of me. It's a result of the choices she makes both on and off the court. All
0: right. I am, like, choked up listening to that because I could have written it. I, in fact, I wrote something very similar that's on ParentingAces.com when my son was probably around that same age when he started driving himself to tournaments. Um I would love if you would put me in touch with that tennis mom and if I could get permission from her to reprint her email to you, um, because I think yeah. it's something a lot of people need to read.
1: I think we can do it as anonymous tennis parent.
0: Okay. Well, I don't want to do it without, you know, I don't yeah, want to step on I'll, any I'll, toes, but... It's something I think is worth sharing for sure. Um, And if it's more current than the one I wrote uh, eight years ago, um, then I think it would be really worth sharing.
1: Interestingly, so let me in in full transparency, this is probably five years old. Okay. And when this parent wrote this, she said to me, you need to get a hold of Lisa Stone. Uh-uh. Speak with her. You would be a wonderful guest for her. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, it, it, it's six years ago. I went back in the email and I went back to her and I said, can I read this? And h- how would I attribute it? And she said, do it anonymous tennis parent. But she's the one, Lisa, that turned me on to you. Oh how funny. I apologize cuz if I came forward 6 years ago it would have been helpful then to you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but but nonetheless it's 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 still helpful. It's still in power. Oh yeah. Um and it's cool. it's just so just, powerful.
0: I think her honesty in you know and and her recognition of the fact that she had provided the tools, that her child now was in possession of everything necessary to take ownership. And this is something that I think is very difficult for us as parents to recognize, admit, and then act on by stepping back. And it's the stepping back part that becomes really tough. And, you know, we may... Say, oh yeah, my kid is well equipped. I've done my job. They've got everything they need. But then we can't help but, you know, when we watch them, um, I don't know, do something where maybe we're at a tournament and instead of properly warming up and getting their in their right headspace before a match, they're sitting gabbing with their friends, and we get all freaked out that why aren't they getting ready for their match? Even though we've said. They have the tools. They know what they're supposed to do. I'm going to step back now and let them take control. When we see them not doing the things that we think we, they need to do. Right? right. That's when it all goes out the window and, and we become crazy people again.
1: Right. So, and if you think about it, like, you know, I think back to the Olympics and I think of Michael Phelps and Missy Franklin, Missy Franklin, before her swims, She's socializing with her friends. Yeah, Michael Phelps is listening to his music. Yeah, he's got
0: that. <laughs> he we all
1: have different ways, and what we need to do is back to what you said is that pause. I have a bracelet that I wear, um, but I'll show it. I don't know if the v- viewers can see this, but it says "accept, breathe, and concentrate." I like it. So. Accept what is, because what is, what is, and you simply can't change it. Yeah. Then take a breath, take a pause. That's then going to settle you down. From that place of settle, concentrate on what's important. And there's another thing I, when I work with clients, I speak about, and we all look at winning, we all want to win. But the real question is, what does win stand for? And when I tell clients and I tell parents and I'm going to tell you, it's going to be, oh, my gosh, because the first time I heard it, it was like, wow, win stands for what's important now. Mm. And that's the process to win. If you focus in on what's important now, it will lead up to the result. And the most important thing is, is to really, is to trust that process and to trust your child. Um, and it may not be perfect. It's like, you know, the, the, this folklore that Nadal was eating chocolate chip cookies before a match. And Uncle Tony didn't say a thing to him. Yeah. And sure enough, he went on the court and he had a stomach ache and he <laughs> lost the match. <laughs> oh, Rafa. Yeah. Oh, Rafa, you know, what role do you think the chocolate chip cookies played in that? Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? That was the learning lesson. Rafa learned it on his own. Yeah. Um,
0: And we have to trust our kids to connect the dots, too. Right. I mean, that's the other another, not the other, but another piece of this is trusting their intellect, their ability to reason, to say, I did this. The result was that therefore next time I'm going to do something different because I don't like that result, you know, yeah. and, and not to to always feel like we have to be the one telling them the stuff, let them come to it on their own. And then it sticks with them. And it's something they're going to be able to pull out the next time they're in a similar situation. We have a question from Ravi, who's asking, how do we get them to be more positive to themselves during their self-talk during matches Oh, Mm -hmm. Robbie, that is the question. Mm -hmm. I had a kid who was just uh, brutal in his self-talk. I used to, I finally figured out I needed to sit far enough away that I couldn't hear the self-talk during the matches because I could not control myself once I heard him go negative. I just, it was beyond my control at that point.
1: Yeah. So when I was, when I was coaching zonals in Waco, Texas with the 16s, I used to joke with the kids.
0: Hot, hot, hot.
1: Oof. Oh, absolutely brutal. Frying <laughs> yeah. it, egg on the court. And they, yeah. they since moved it to Salem. Um, but um, I used to joke with the kids. Oh, my God. Do you hear a bird? What do you hear? Oh, it's the oh, my God bird. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't <laughs> believe I did this. Oh, my God. I suck. And in my book, I. Um, uh, tennis Inside the Zone, I actually have a workout called I Suck, How to Tame Negative Self-Talk.
0: Oh, I love that. And um, and your book, by the way, is on the Parenting Aces, Parenting Aces shop on Amazon. So if anybody's looking for it, they can go there and, and purchase it. And disclaimer, we may get a little two cent commission or something like that if you buy through our shop, but it's there.
1: Ah, Okay. Um, And thank you for the thank you for the disclaimer. Um, So anyway, so how how do you get the kid to stop screaming at themselves? Well, uh, you know, it's a complicated, complicated question. But the first thing I'd say is, and this is also very important as a parent. What's their big why for playing? Why are they playing? And it has to be something intrinsic. It has to be something that they can control. Mm-hmm. And it's the competition. I love being with my friends. Um, I love the feel of the ball off my racket. I want to be the best I can be. Well, all of those things, in a way, have nothing to do with the self talk. So it can be almost a learning thing of bringing them back to what their big why is for playing. Oftentimes, when they're screaming and yelling at themselves, what they're really saying is I'm focused on the outcome and I'm not performing how I want. Mm. And if you think about frustration, frustration is all about not being where you are. And the first step is, well, this is where I am. What am I going to do about it? Now also as a parent, and most parents don't know this, kids throw their racket for a very interesting reason. One is they could be upset. But there's another reason, and I hear it all the time. So, see, I'm in an advantage. I hear things that you as parents don't hear. Right. But they throw
0: their rackets. That's why you're here, Rob. Well, that's
1: exactly <laughs> that's six years later after I heard your name, Lisa. Yeah, that's why you're here. But that's okay. It's 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 uh it's not when, it's how we get that's here. That's right. right. That's um, right. And I have a lot more material now. But but kids throw their rackets often to show their parents how much they care because I've had parents come to me and say, my kid lost and they they're not upset. They're not thinking about the match, which they don't know, but that's not true. Oftentimes they're throwing the racket. Number one, as a release, Mm -hmm. That they just, I mean, they're in a fishbowl. They're like, I'm in a fishbowl and people are watching. This mm-hmm. is a release. But number two, to show people that they care. Why do they say, oh, my opponent sucks? To show people, you know, it, I'm, I'm not going to give the opponent respect. I'm not going to give the opponent the do that they really deserve. Mm-hmm. So the throwing the racket isn't the problem. The self-talk isn't the problem. It's kind of in a way what's behind it that needs to be explored. And one question I do ask kids is when they're talking to themselves and saying, I suck. I can't believe it. How did I do this? on the pits of the earth. One thing I will uh, work with them to do is to help them understand how they continue to follow this path. So the first step was. I missed a ball. The second step was I missed an easy approach. The third step was I started rushing. The fourth step was um, I lost the next point. So they can understand the pattern Mm -hmm. and and they can get off the wrong road and refocus on to the right road. The other thing I asked them is, hmm. So if you said this, if you were watching your best friend play and you were speaking to her like this, how do you think they would take it? How do you think it would it would uh, impact their performance? And they'd say, oh, gosh, number one, I'd lose a friend. Number two, they'd lose the match. And I said, it's
0: funny. There, there, there was a coach that I interviewed who said that when he would have a player go into that negative self talk, he would stand behind that player, you know, behind the fence, and he would start saying the things to the player that the player was saying to <laughs> him or herself in practice just to get them to recognize how awful. It sounds and how awful it made them feel when it was coming from an external source. So how awful must it feel when it's coming from inside you? I thought that was such an interesting approach. Not sure. I agree with it, but it got the point across.
1: I, I, I think it feels worse. And I think the key is you're, it's one thing to hear the words, but it's the other thing when you talk about feeling Yeah, and it shuts down the nervous system. Um, And, you know, oftentimes, sometimes I'll see a player, uh, they'll be tapping, they'll be tapping their foot uh, at the break, Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe they'll hit the foot with their racket. And I'll be, maybe I'll be sitting next to a parent or I'll just be, I remember it was two years ago at the Miami open. And, uh, and my friend said, Oh, he just smashed his racket against his foot. And I said, "Well, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Let's see what happens next." Hmm. Um, and and actually, that was that was a release. Right. Rafael Nadal with all of his rituals. Andy Murray. The announcers always said, "When Murray does, you know, yeah. he's nervous." Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's nervous. Who wouldn't be nervous? Yeah. The idea yeah. is not to not be nervous. The idea is to accept the fact that you're nervous okay, I'm nervous to take a breath and to bring it back to what you can control. Right. It's a quick ABC.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause when I, I recently interviewed my son for, mm-hmm. well, we did it. We did a, a live um, like you and I are doing. And then it, it, we, it became a podcast and, mm-hmm. um, it was very interesting because it was the first time I had interviewed him publicly and uh, he's almost 24 years old now. So uh, the comments that came in were very interesting, but one of the things that we talked about in our interview was how difficult it is in tennis to feel the feelings that you're feeling during competition or, you know, when you're on the court, and have very few acceptable outlets to get rid of the negative feelings. There are very few, and and I think maybe it's a little more difficult for boys than girls because for girls, it's acceptable to cry and let it out and then get yourself back together and get back out on the court. For boys who cry, it's not as socially acceptable. So that's not typically how boys express their anger or frustration or nerves or whatever it is they're feeling on the court. Boys more typically express it through smashing a racket, through banging their their foot with the racket, through smashing a ball in the fence, all of which are codable offenses in USTA play. And all of which you know, if you do that, and then you get coded, it's just a downward spiral from there, right? It's very difficult to recover from that series of events and continue to perform at your highest level. So it was interesting to hear him talk about that. And it was something he had talked about while he was in the midst of competing too, coming up through the juniors that it just, it would make him crazy, because why shouldn't he be able to release that frustration and anger? What what harm is it? If I bang my racket, I'm not hurting anybody. What harm is it? If I hit a ball into the fence, I'm not hurting anybody. It's just a way for me to release, but it, it was not okay to do that. It is still not okay. According to USTA rules to do that. Right. So we have to give them a better tool. And for us, we have to have a better tool for our own anger and frustration and, and fear and all of these other emotions that are going through us as we watch our children out there.
1: Yeah. And, and I I want you to know, I went onto your website and I noticed that you interviewed your son (laughs) and I purposely did not read it, Uh, but I did read enough that I got the idea. Yeah. And first off, congratulations for having their courage and it clearly shows a great relationship with your son. Yeah. Um, And, and that's, yeah. And, and, and a big, big time acknowledgement on that. Um, Yeah. We survived. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the other piece that I also just want to backtrack to is again, how do I get rid of these thoughts? And again, if you notice back to the ABCs, It's not about getting rid of Mm. it's actually about accepting and being able to know that on one hand I'm nervous and on the other hand I'm excited. And I often talk to kids about this um, when they're getting ready to play a match, when they're getting ready to play a national, a zonal, you name it, Kalamazoo, a high school match. And they'll say, oh my God, I'm so nervous. What do I do? Which by the way, is another uh, title of a chapter in my book. <laughs> and, and, and I'll just say all of the titles in my book are things that the kids came to me, yeah. uh, match point. How do I relax? How do I get the mental edge? But back to this concept On one hand, and it's kind of weird. This is my left hand and it's showing up on the right side of the screen. But on one hand is here's the nervousness and here's the excitement. And I'll sometimes work with the kids, just helping them to just be with the nervousness Mm. and be with the excitement. And a funny thing happens. And then I'll ask them, well, what's in between? And the next thing you know, their hands are kind of coming together, honest to God. And they'll go, oh, you know, the match, this. And the next thing you know, they're like this. And they're calm. And I'll say to them, so what do you notice? And they'll say, well, wow, it's okay to be nervous. I'm nervous. And I'm also excited. And I call this a range of resiliency. And you can think about a wave Mm -hmm. and we're going to go up and down. That's why when I look at a match, I look at kids match. I look at professional matches. I I, I don't look, what I'm looking is really kind of what's happening next. Are they able to stay within a range of resiliency and not get overwhelmed?
0: So you don't want the peaks and the valleys. You want more.
1: I want to flow. And I, I, what I'm looking for is more of a flow, but this is not a flow. That's a right. robot. Right, right. I'm looking for, I'm not, I'm not looking for anything. What we're trying to do is to create, for example, the kid who uh, gets down three zero, and the next thing you know, the match is completely over and mm-hmm. they lose 0-0. And the parents, or maybe it's 3-1, and then they give up. And the parents say, my kid was like a deer in the headlights. I will then meet with the kid. And I'll say, so tell me what happened. Say, well, it was 3-1. I was really into it. And then that next point, it was a really long point, and I lost it, and, and I lost everything. So their range of resiliency was 3-1, three, three, was four games long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll talk about it. We'll talk about bouncing back. We'll talk about what Rafael Nadal does. His number one trait is being able to bounce back. What was going on? And then the next match, it gets to 5-2, let's say. And then they lose it. Mm -hmm. So each time we're increasing their range of resiliency, their ability to manage adversity, which is so so important.
0: Yeah. So from the parent side, Rob... This is a really interesting concept to me. It's not yeah. something I've thought about before, but when we're watching our children, this is something to look for, right? <sighs> Their ability to increase that range of resiliency. And I've not heard that term before. I haven't read your book yet. I'm sorry, but no, please, um, it's okay. Um, but I think, you know, as parents, we get so caught up in scores and wins and losses that sometimes we forget to notice the incremental improvements that our children are making. And this is one of those incremental improvements that's really important to help our children grow. Because again, it's not what our kids doing at 12, 13, 14, 15, even 16, well, 16 starts to count, but really what we want is for them to reach their potential at 17 18 when they're you know assuming they're they're looking to play in college but even if they're looking to play professionally that's the age where we want them to start to reach their peak what they're doing at 12 13 14 is growing to that place and right. so if we can pick up on these incremental improvements that they're making things like you know my kid used to fall apart when they got down one break yes. now they can get down two breaks you know and make it to that point now even if they're down two breaks they're not giving up they're continuing to fight even if they end up losing the match exactly. so exactly this is this is really a good um focal point for us as parents on the sidelines because one of the things I used to always preach is chart your kids match and that'll keep your mind occupied and your hands occupied so you can't go nuts in the stands. You know, It gives you something to do to stay busy, but looking for these little improvements is another way to shift your focus to what's really important out there.
1: Now, if I knew you six years ago, I would have taken that chart and taken that pen and I would have replaced it with, the, with yarn and two yarn sticks so you could knit
0: <laughs> knit <laughs> yeah
1: um, but yes there's, there's a saying a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step yep there's another saying that i that i use in in my workout how to get the mental edge and i think about it as a ladder winning may be at the top of the ladder but how do you get to the lab, to the top of the ladder one step at a time But so often the kids and the parents get caught up in that ESPN highlight and Mm -hmm. only focus in on the outcome, which is completely and totally out of their control, where if they just focused in on the process, where are they now? And it's the little things that add up to big things. And to your point, what you really want to be teaching your son or daughter to do is to be resilient when they face adversity is to be able to fail and to have the strength to come back and it's it's funny when i ask kids you know when when they when they're very focused uh, outcome oriented or the parents are outcome oriented i'll say to them so i have a question when when you're in school and it's a monday and the teacher says you have a test on friday What do you do? And sometimes they'll say, well, the first thing I'll do is I'll freak out. I said, okay, great. So you got the freak out. Perfectly fine. Acceptable. Thanks for sharing. What will you do now? They'll say, okay, well, take a look at my notes. I'll figure out who I'm going to study with. I'll maybe go buy some flashcards. And I said, how much of that time, and even if they're doing all this Thursday night, the the night before the test, which sometimes happens. Sure. I said, how much of that time are you focused on the outcome? And they'll say, well, when I'm doing this, I'm really not. And I'm like, okay, so how do you feel? I said, you know what? I feel pretty good. And they said, well, there's still times I then start freaking out. And I said, how does that feel? They'll say, it doesn't feel good. And I'll say, well, what's your focus? And their focus is the outcome. Mm. But again, the key thing is the role of the parents and the role of the, even the child, when, when the kid is at the point where they're throwing their racket in most cases, they're probably too far gone. It's what are all the little steps that I can do before? How do I call it sleep, nutrition, yeah. hydrate? Um, how do I give the, the gift of how do I give the gift of failure? How do I stay out and empower them? So by the time they get to the match, you know, maybe they're, they're, uh, they're met, they're doing a centering exercise, they're breathing. Um, So when they get to the match, they may be nervous, but they're not overwhelmed. And you can almost think about it like a cup. So the cup is empty. And so there's still areas in the cup before it tips over. But if they Mm. get to the match completely stressed, thinking about what my friends are going to think, what my parents are going to think, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? It's like a client said to me the other day, by the time I play the match, everyone's looking at me, whether I'm winning or losing, and I'm just trying to stay on my feet Mm. because I have nothing left to give. I'm exhausted, Mm. and I know I'm being judged more. And she said, so how do you think that makes me feel?
0: Yeah, that's that's sad. Yeah. And the reality is probably nobody's looking at her, right? Everybody's so self-absorbed. Um, everybody is worrying <laughs> about themselves. <laughs> I'm serious. If you're yeah. at a tennis tournament, the really the only person looking at you is your parent, your coach, and the person who might be playing you next. Yes, Maybe but that, they're looking but,
1: at but you. That, but that is a lot. And... At oh, that right. yeah. yeah. No,
0: I get it because, yeah. and especially for preteens and teenagers, um, they're all about self-absorption and you know, everybody's looking at me and judging me. And it's not reality, it's their reality or their perception yes. of reality. Yeah. But it's it's, you know, and this is again, as a parent, it's so tough when you're out there and you see your child behaving as though they believe that what they're doing right now is so important that it's commanding the attention of everyone, you know, and that's yeah. a, a huge, um, huge encompassing uh, group of people. The reality is not that, but that's your child's perception. And it's, that's, it's such a difficult age to parent. I think when yeah. there's going through, those developmental stages of, of puberty and adolescence and the world revolves around their belly button and, you know, everybody's looking at them all the time. And, and I, now with social media, it's even worse. Oh,
1: I mean, when I, when I work with kids, I have them turn off all of their notifications on their phone Yeah, yeah. because think about it. And if your notifications are on, you'll know it's such and, a distraction. Uh, as soon as you get a notification, you get a bing, your nervous system rises, yep. and you check. And you check the phone. And then you check the phone, and then you're distracted from right. the next thing. So is that a
0: physiological response? It's a hundred
1: percent. This whole wave, this is what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. It's a hundred percent physiological. So right. think about losing the point. I lose the point. I need to do something. Where no. You lost the point. Okay, it wasn't the greatest thing, but I lost a point. What I really need to do is simply acknowledge and accept that I lost a point. I need to take a breath. And what do I need to do now? And one of the...
0: And the answer you, is simply play the next
1: point. Simply <laughs> right, play the next point, point and yeah. play your game. Yeah, I mean, how does how does a, um, a you know, uh, Dustin Johnson beat a Nadal at Wimbledon? A, um, the younger Zarev, uh, I, I, uh, I forgot who he beat. They play their game. This is a really big thing. I often say to kids, what's your game? You know, when you're serving out to the ad side, where's your top serve? I'm a lefty. So my top serve, I literally, when I play sometimes. And I it's a like you.
0: I'm a lefty too.
1: Oh, you know <laughs> what? Hello. And we've been in each other's. Yeah. I'll literally say, hey, by the way, it's ad. It's ad point. I'm serving out wide. And guess what? I'm also coming in. Yeah. Because you know what? That's my game. And when you know what your game is, you can play it and you can also improve on it. And right. you're not trying to be someone else.
0: My but friend Frank Jim talks about that a lot, and Frank has written a ton of books about um, junior development and and the parents piece and all of that. And and he talks a lot about the fact that how important it is for players to have a plan A, but also to have a plan B and C, and to re- and to have it written down. You know, um, so that they can go back to that. It becomes a you know, an easy thing, it becomes innate to, to fall back. Oh, plan A is not working. Let me go to plan B, but it's my plan A, my plan B that, you know, is, is set because of the way I like to play the way I like to move the way I like to control a point. So, right. I, yeah, it's true. And, I, oh, go ahead. We've got you another question. Oh,
1: you know what? Let's go with the other question.
0: Okay. It's, um, Susanna asks, what happens when your son doesn't want you to look at them? My son doesn't want my husband or me to watch his match.
1: Okay. So first off
0: I say count yourself lucky.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's actually pretty good. And I, I thought I thought, you know, with some of the tournaments indoors, uh, the parents aren't allowed to be there. So it's like, I bet you the kids are literally having a party.
0: You, did you play junior tennis growing up, Rob? Yeah. Okay. So our parents weren't around when we would play tournaments, they would drop us at the facility and come pick us up at the end of the day. Yes, Right. It was a much different environment.
1: And if they were around, they were, they were less invested. They
0: were busy. They were visiting with their
1: friends and whatever. But but so um, what's this woman's name who asked the question? Susanna. Susanna. So we need to look just a little deeper into the question. Your the kid is obviously feeling judged. The kid is obviously feeling compared or nervous or nervous, but nervous because or nervous, maybe nervous because they're focused on the outcome. So to Susanna, and again, we're, we're on an interview, so we're not going to solve this, but what I would think about from her perspective is what can I do to just let my son know? I love to watch him play. I enjoy seeing him play. I enjoy seeing him get out of uh, getting out of um, tough situations. I enjoy seeing him win, but most importantly, how can I be completely unconditional? So he just knows I'm there to enjoy it. And I'm there. My role is to support. And let me just say, Support is a really interesting word because I will say to a parent, what does support mean? And the parent will say, well, I drive them to tournaments. I pay for the courts. I pay for the tournaments. um, And I give them coaching. And then I will say to the kid, what does support mean for you? And the kid will say that my parents can just be there and not judge me. They cannot compare me and they just allow me to play. Mm. So they're looking for a different kind of support. And this might be the case with Susanna that the kids, and it could be a balance. I'm sure Susanna, she's lovely. She loves her kid. That's why she's sitting here. Susanna, thank you for asking this question. There's no doubt. You love your kid and you want the best. So there could be a balance. And again, maybe it's what is, what is, what does my kid need from me that has nothing to do with tennis? Mm. That's a really powerful question.
0: Absolutely. And, and I will say Susanna too, you know, it's funny because when my son was competing, there were matches where I just, I couldn't stand to be in the stands anymore. I would get up and walk away. And as, as, Angry as he would get if I was in the stands cringing and making faces and not being able to control my body language and my face, um, The angriest he ever got with me was when I got up and walked off. And so because he knew that meant I had been pushed, he had done something on the court that I perceived as being so unacceptable that I wasn't willing to sit there and watch the rest of the match. So I think it's really important to have that conversation with him about, um, like Rob was saying, why doesn't he want you there? Um, is it something you're doing or is it something that he's experiencing and feeling that he doesn't want you to see? Um, maybe he's, you know, he's afraid of of letting you down or, um, you know, there are all sorts of, of things that come Right. There are all sorts of things that come up. And, you know, if nothing else, the message that I try to get across with parenting aces is how important communication is. Communication between parent and child, communication between parent and coach, and, of course, between the, the child and the coach. But you have to have the conversation. And sometimes it's not easy to do that. It's uncomfortable and it's emotional, but I urge you to ask the question, why don't you want me there? Maybe you've already had that conversation. Um, I don't know, but uh, just some thoughts from my own personal experience
1: with that. And and Lisa, I love what you're saying because it kind of opens up another thing for Susanna and for everyone is your athlete, your child is what I call a whole human athlete. And, this is is actually the next book where range of resiliency will be in. So it's okay. You you, you might not have got that directly. Um, But when I'm talking about a whole human athlete, we're talking about the entire person, person first. And we're talking about specifically to this case. So we have the talent, the technique and the skills, but then we also have the heart, the energy and the spirit. And that's what we want to nurture. And yeah. knowing that the child, they're coming to the court with the talented technique and the skills, but the question is, what's underneath the hood? And Rick mm-hmm. Macy said that uh, with um, uh, with um, the woman who won the recently won what's who recently won the U.S. Open, um, Bianca. So, oh. No, Andreska won the year before. Correct.
0: No, she won this past year. She won this year. Okay. So yeah.
1: then she she just did well. But Rick Macy talked about... Or Naomi
0: about, Osaka. Is that who you're yeah. thinking of? No,
1: it's um, Sophin.
0: Oh, Sophia Kennan?
1: Yes. Yes. Okay.
0: She won the Australian. Okay, the Australian. Yeah. Thank you
1: very yeah. much. And he said, you know, she's got this, she's got that. But the key is what's underneath the hood. And that's we need to look at the whole human athlete and look at that balance. So also to the parents, it's not just about tennis. It's about school. Um, it's about the little things. It's about how are you getting involved with social issues? How are you getting involved with your brothers and sisters? How are you relating to your mom and dad? Um,
0: well, and Susanna just said um, for its nerves for her son.
1: That's what, yeah. what she said. So again, the conversation becomes. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about nerves. I want to share a quick story. This is great. So, I had a client who came to me. He was 13 years old. The reason he was coming to me was because his mother said he punches himself in the stomach during matches. Oi. Oi. Exactly. Oiga Vault. Yeah. Okay. So, the kid came in and we started talking. And I said to him, So, what's going on? when, what, what's going on when you're, you're feeling this? So, oh, I have a really bad stomach ache. And what does it feel like? Oh gosh, I feel kind of nauseous. I said, okay, can you kind of share with me where it is? Can you draw it? So he drew it. So he's very, very much in touch with it. And I said to him, so, okay, so what's happening when you're punching? And he said, oh, that's easy. I'm trying to get rid of it. What an intuitive, beautiful thing. Yeah. He's trying to get rid of it. So I said, oh, okay. So that's interesting. So I happen to be a dog lover. Um, you can see up at the top there, there's a picture of, uh, that's that's my dog Gumbo. And I said, do you have a dog? And again, this is part of a whole human athlete, bringing who you are to what you do. And he said, yes. I said, does your dog ever get scared? He said, sure. I said, so tell me when. He said, well, sometimes the dog gets, goes to the, stop at the top of the stairs and is scared to come back. I said, oh, okay, so what do you do? He said, well, I usually climb up one step at a time, and I give him encouragement. And I said, so what happens? And he said, well, the dog usually comes down, and then we play. I said, so would you ever think about punching the dog in the stomach? He said, oh, gosh, I would never do that. And I said, so can you see how that's what you're doing to yourself? Great story. Yeah. I Great mean, story. really. And this 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 was this was, this was a, a younger kid and so beautifully raw. Yeah. It made complete sense.
0: Sure. Sure. Trying, it yeah. Trying
1: to punch away. He was trying to get rid of the stomach ache.
0: <laughs> well, and it's like we see, you know, when kids start to cramp
1: on the court
0: and they do the same thing. They take their racket and they bash their quadricep or bash their calf, you know, to try to get it to go away when, you know, it's it's not yeah. always something yeah, they, that you can control
1: externally. Yes, and it's almost let's take a look back at what led to that, but it's also really what needs to happen is they just kind of need They just kind of need to settle by bashing and getting mad at it. Their nervous system, their physiology is actually increasing. So oftentimes whenever I work with a client, I'm always, it's, it's well beyond words. I'm, I'm trying to understand them who they are. And I'm trying to also just get a sense of their nervous system. And, you know, there's a saying, Uh, I once saw on a T-shirt that said, uh, dogs speak to those who listen. Hmm. And you know what? Kids speak to those who listen, too.
0: That is true. Rob, we have been going over an hour, and I (sighs) I don't want to take up too much of your time. And for the viewers, I don't want to take up too much of y'all's time either. And I appreciate y'all hanging out with us today. One of my takeaways from this conversation is be kind. Be kind to yourself, be kind to your child, teach your child to be kind to himself or herself. And through being kind to ourselves, hopefully we can start to make positive changes that allow us to behave in such a way that we are proud of rather than ashamed of and fearful of, and start to move on and really grow that relationship with our child. And so that when your child is about to turn 24, as mine is, you can feel good about the relationship you have with them. So that's my wish for all of the parents out there is it's, you know, it's a tough road, it is a tough road, but the goal, the reason we're there with our kids week in and week out, tournament in tournament out is because we love our children and we want to be with them and we want to have a, a positive relationship with them in the long run. So I think if we can all keep that in mind and start to be a little kinder to ourselves and, and model that self-kindness for our children, that's a great
1: gift. Yes. Yes. All right. And this was this was too much fun, Lisa.
0: Thanks. We'll do it again. And I'd love to. For those of you interested in Rob's book or to get in touch with Rob, the very first comment on this thread is Rob's contact information. So please take a look. Um, he shared a phone number. He shared an email address. He shared a website. And again, his book is available in the parenting aces shop on amazon.com. So if you, I think if you just go to amazon.com slash parenting you'll see it there. And again, disclaimer, we may get a little tiny, school commission from that so if you want to purchase it that way thank you for the support. Um, Rob thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Happy sir. Fourth of July weekend whatever that may mean for all of us this exactly.
1: year and oh. you as well you're doing you're doing wonderful work. thank you for your insight um, just into this conversation
0: well thank you and to those of you tuning in thanks so much we're gonna upload this conversation to our youtube channel so it'll be easy to find if you'd like to share it uh just go to youtube and search parenting aces and it'll be there all right thanks everybody have a great rest of your week i'm lisa stone and you've been listening to the parenting aces podcast for tennis parents by a like what you have heard please subscribe to us and write a review on itunes for more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey please visit us online at parentingaces.com thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community